Luke chapter 23, verses 39 through 43. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the others answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive and do reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Good Lord's Day to each and every one that is here with us this morning. We are thankful for the presence of the many that we have here. We have several who are visiting from out of town for special occasions this weekend, and we are glad that you are here. We have those who are visiting with us from the area. We're certainly grateful that you have chosen to come and be with us this morning as well. And hope that everything that we have done this morning has been in accordance with the Word of God, that we have glorified God and offered up our praise and thanksgiving to Him and I invite you to be taking out your Bibles this morning. We're going to be studying from Luke chapter 23. If you would be t- uh, turning to that passage of Scripture in just a moment, uh, we will be looking at some things there in that text. As we began really last month, a, what's going to be a series on some of the statements that Jesus makes on the cross. And that we noted last month that Jesus... He makes seven sayings and statements while he is on the cross. That the first one being found in Luke chapter 23 and verse 34 when Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. We see that word of forgiveness that Jesus extends in a prayer to God. This morning we're going to look at the second statement that Jesus makes, also found in Luke chapter 23 when Jesus tells the thief, Truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. And these generally are accepted to be the first two statements that Jesus makes while hanging on the cross. From about the times of 9 a.m. to about 12 p.m. And then in John chapter 19 and verse 27, Jesus also says, Behold your mother. Just a sneak preview, that's what we'll be looking at next month. And then there is the silence of Jesus on the cross. We're about the three hours of darkness from about 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. And then at 3 p.m. Jesus said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The cries of, I am thirsty and it is finished to follow that statement. And then, to culminate, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. These sayings of Jesus on the cross show his humanity. They show us his deep and abiding commitment to do what is pleasing to his Father in heaven. They also reveal to us the character of our Savior and that he is a Savior who sought to extend forgiveness, show love, and offer assurance. And that is what you see as you read many of these statements that you 
reflect back on Jesus, you think about His pain, you think about His anguish, but very few of the words that Jesus makes on the cross have to do with that. They are oftentimes very centered on His mission and pleasing His Father, or they are very centered on other people. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. His conversation with the thief on the cross in Luke chapter 23, as we have heard in our reading this morning, whenever the criminals that he was being crucified between, when one of them shows an interest in having Jesus remember him. And that is an interesting thing to reflect on as you think about what this thief was involved in. In Luke chapter 23, if you notice what Luke says really at the beginning of this whole section when Jesus was being crucified, it says in verse 33, when they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified Him. And the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left, Luke's make it, Luke makes it very clear that Jesus was crucified between two criminals. As Isaiah had prophesied many years before that he would be numbered with the transgressors. And in Matthew's account, in Matthew chapter 27, Matthew, he doesn't record this conversation between Jesus and the thief. But he does record some other words of the thief. In Matthew chapter 27 and in verse 38, in Matthew chapter 27 and in verse 38, it says, At that time, two robbers were crucified with Him, one on the right and one on the left. They are all, all the Gospel writers are in full agreement with that. And then you skip down to verse 44, The robbers who had been crucified with Him were also insulting Him with the same words, that they were mocking Jesus, that if you were the Son of God, come down from the cross. They were laughing at Him and mocking Him. They were wagging their heads at Him. They were hurling the abuses that everyone else was throwing at Jesus. But Luke gives us some insight that there was a change in this one particular thief. This thief repented. Because if we take what Matthew and Mark both record about the thief, they are both involved in accusing Jesus of false accusations. They are mocking Jesus. They are tempting Him that if you are the Son of God, come down. But this thief begins to realize the longer that they are on the cross, that this man, this Jesus of Nazareth, is different. As Luke records in verse 39, one of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at Him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and, re, and rebuking him said, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? You think about that bold statement, that they were both involved at some point while they were on the cross of mocking Jesus. And this one thief, he continues in that hard-heartedness to mock Jesus, to accuse Him that if you're the Son of God, if you're the Christ, why don't you save yourself and us along with you? And this thief, he begins to change his thinking. He's like, he's beginning to wonder, how can we mock Him when we are all in the same predicament? 
We all are suffering the same sentence and condemnation. And he says even more than that in verse 41, And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. That shows us a radical change in this thief. A change in his mindset. Certainly from how he had once lived, from being a thief and a robber, now he is someone who is beginning to see Jesus for who he really is. And then he makes this important request. He asks Jesus in verse 42, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. You might think that's kind of an odd request from a thief from someone who is a robber. To be remembered. What does he want to be remembered for? Is he wanting to be remembered for being a thief? We still call him the thief on the cross, don't we? Is he wanting to be remembered because he's afraid of being forgotten? I think there's more to what is going on in the thief's mind and in his words. That this thief, he is undergoing a radical change. He is expressing how they, he and his the other thief, that they are being put to death for a just cause. He's owning up to his sins. He's recognizing that he is guilty. But he is also beginning to recognize who Jesus is. And in the Psalms, if you would turn to Psalm 106... In the 106th Psalm, we see that the Psalms are filled with language of remembering, asking for God to remember us. In Psalm 106 and in verse 4, Remember me, O Lord, in your favor toward your people. Visit me with your salvation. And as the psalmist is writing and pinning these words. He's asking for God to remember and to bring salvation. This is a request for God to remember and to save, to be gracious, to be merciful, to save us. And I believe that's exactly what the thief is asking for. He is seeing Jesus and he recognizes Him. And he says, I want you to remember me when you come into your kingdom. Be gracious, be merciful to me, because you are the King. If you continue on in verse 6, For we have sinned like our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have behaved wickedly. And the psalmist he recognizes that he has sinned, that he is wrong, and that he has transgressed and violated God's law but that He is seeking God's forgiveness. At the end of this psalm, in verse 47, Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the nations to give thanks to Your holy name and glory in Your praise. Don't mistake what is going on. God's memory is the source of grace, mercy, salvation, and forgiveness. God remembers His people when they call upon Him when they seek Him, when they turn away from their sins, and when they seek His mercy and His grace and His salvation. 
We don't need to miss the point that the thief, he is requesting for Jesus to remember him and he is requesting Jesus to save him. He is asking for Jesus to remember him when he comes into his kingdom and to save him from his sins. And it's important to also see that this thief, as he is hanging there on the cross, he is fully accepting who Jesus is. He says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He is recognizing Jesus' innocence and His kingship. He says, this man has done nothing wrong. He is going to be our king. And I want Him to remember me. And He says Jesus' name. Have you noticed that? In Luke chapter 23 and in verse 42, Jesus, remember me, is what the thief says. He calls on Jesus to remember him. The thief on the cross. He wants Jesus to remember him and he is seeking God's forgiveness. He is seeking Jesus to become his Savior. And as a response, Jesus has a word of assurance, a word of hope. He sees the thief. He is recognizing his change in behavior even while he's on the cross. And in Luke chapter 23 and in verse 43, and he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Jesus offers assurance to this thief. Because Jesus is the epitome of grace. The thief who had been mocking Jesus, who has repented in some way, his behavior has changed and has been modified, and who has asked Jesus to remember him. The thief was suffering and dying and experiencing every bit of anguish and pain that Jesus was experiencing. And Jesus, Jesus doesn't stop to comment about the pain and the common suffering that they are both going through. Jesus looks beyond the common suffering, and looks to something else that they will share in common. Today, you shall be with me in paradise, Jesus said. Not years from now will we both be in paradise. At the resurrection and the second coming, Jesus says today, not at some unknown time in the future, but today, Jesus says, Words of assurance, words of comfort, words of victory. And you think about how Luke, especially in the Gospel of Luke, uses the word today. It's not at all uncommon because in Luke chapter 2 and in verse 11, when Jesus was born and the angels appeared to the shepherds, for today in the city of David, that has been born for you a Savior. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 21, when Jesus began His mission to preach the Gospel, 
And he began preaching in Nazareth as he was in the synagogue there. He said, today, this Scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And then when Jesus came to Zacchaeus, He said, today, salvation has come to this house. Each of those occasions, Luke uses that word today showing us how the angels and Jesus, they are emphasizing that salvation is here. That this is something that is about to happen. It is about to take place. That the Savior has been born. Or the Gospel is being proclaimed. Or the salvation is available now. Today. That the word today emphasizes something that we need to hear. That salvation is available and it's here. It's available for us and it's immediate. Luke uses the word today to describe this inbreaking of God's plan into the world. God sent a Savior. The Savior preached the Gospel. And the Savior brings salvation not at some unknown time in the future, but He brings it for us today. And now Jesus says to the thief, Today you will be with Me in paradise. That day that Jesus was hanging on the cross, the way to the Father was being opened up for any sinner who would turn to God and believe in Jesus. Remember in John the 14th chapter, In John chapter 14 and in verse 6, when Jesus was speaking with His apostles, He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through Me. Jesus was making available the way unto God that very day. But whenever you see the word today, it's signifying the immediacy of something. That it's about to happen. It's on the precipice of happening. But there's also something else that I believe the word today is needing to conjure up in our mind. That today creates in us a sense of anticipation and urgency. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul, as he is writing about the Gospel and His work and preaching the Gospel. And he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and verse 2, for he says, at the acceptable time I listened to you, and on the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Some translations say today is the day of salvation. And when we hear about something being available today, we want to go and do it. We need to be urgent in doing it. When there is a deadline, and the deadline is today, you need to sign up. You need to go get ready and be involved in it. That We need to be urgent about something. That the Gospel of salvation is available today. And if you are not a Christian, you need to become a child of God, not tomorrow, not next week, not a month from now. You need to become a Christian today. That's Paul's point. Today is the day of salvation. I know many times we wait to the end of a service to extend the invitation. That's 
that's kind of banking on that God is going to give us till the end of the service, isn't it? If you're a Christian today, or if you're not a Christian today, you need to respond to the Gospel. This may be a little out of place or out of character, but if you need to respond to the Gospel now, come on. Water's ready. Because now is the time of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. And Jesus is assuring the thief and us that eternal salvation, being in perfect fellowship with God, is available today because of His death on the cross. And the words that one thief was hurling at Jesus, that if you're the Christ, save yourself and us, those were the very words that Jesus could not fulfill if He was going to make a path to God and a way to paradise. Involved with this assurance that Jesus was giving to the thief. Today, you shall be with me in paradise. The word paradise is used three times in the New Testament. One of those places is here in Luke chapter 23. Other passages in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4 and in Revelation chapter 2 and in verse 7. And that's the passage I would like for us to turn to this morning. In Revelation chapter 2, this is in Jesus' statements to churches of Asia, and in particular to the church at Ephesus. He concludes, as John is recording and writing, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And you continue on to the book of Revelation at the end of that book in Revelation chapter 22. In Revelation chapter 22 and in verse 1, Then He showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb in the middle of its street. On either side of the tree was the tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, the tree of life, it's in the paradise of God, is where the throne of God is. And the word paradise, we might think of it if you like, if you're an outdoorsman, you might like to be outside. You might like to hunt or fish, and sometimes you might say, well, that's, this is the life, this is paradise. Or maybe you like going to the beach and you like sitting out with uh, some uh, some kind of juice with that little umbrella there, and you know, in your cup, and you think this is paradise. Or maybe you really like golf, and you think, boy, I hope heaven is just filled with these golf courses because this is paradise. Maybe it's being in the mountains. Whatever. It is. We think of that as paradise. And this word in the Greek, it was borrowed from the Persians. And paradise simply meant a park, a garden, 
you might go to the garden and see a lot of flowers. And the, something like what the New Testament pictures, the paradise of God where the tree of life is. Being in the presence of God and among His throne. It's actually used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Garden of Eden. It's called the Paradise. And Jesus is very emphatic that today you will be with me in Paradise. And sometimes I think we have these notions that paradise is about sitting on the beach and enjoying a good book and some R&R time. Or it's about these, those endless golf courses. And that's not what paradise is. Paradise is not endless woods for hunting and fishing. Paradise is not just about a large family reunion. What makes paradise so special is that paradise is with Christ. Notice there in the words that Jesus offers, Today you shall be with me in paradise. You will be with me in paradise. That is what makes Paradise, paradise. Being with Christ. And that's what every child of God looks forward to. As Jesus says, in, or as the Apostle Paul spoke about his nearing the end of his life, that the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to His heavenly kingdom. He looked forward to being in the presence of Jesus and the Lord would rescue him. And what makes paradise such a special and inviting place is that we get to be with Jesus. And it's what you see in the pages of Scripture that Stephen, when he was being stoned in Acts chapter 7, in Acts the 7th chapter as he was being stoned and put to death, the very last words that he record that are recorded is in verse 59 they went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said Lord Jesus receive my spirit Stephen wanted to be received into eternity by Jesus I love the statement by the apostle Paul in the book of Philippians in Philippians chapter 1 in Philippians chapter 1 and in verse 23. In Philippians chapter 1 and in verse 23, when Paul was saying in verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain, but he doesn't know which one to pick because he is hard pressed. He says in verse 23, but I am hard pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ. For that is very much better. I don't know if that's great English, but that's a very great sentiment, isn't it? That is very much better. 
that Paul longed to be with Jesus. As we discussed in our Bible study out here in the adult class this morning in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that when Jesus comes again at the time of the resurrection in 1 Timothy chapter 4, what gives us such confidence and what gives us such assurance and comfort is the fact that we will be with Jesus. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 17, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always, always be with the Lord. Today you shall be with me in paradise. I think sometimes we try to draw out on the map or something of where paradise is. And we miss the larger picture. That paradise is not about a particular place as much as it is about a condition. That we will be with Christ. Our existence in eternity is about the time that we spend with Christ. It's about being with Jesus, our Savior. That is what makes eternity something that we long for. That's why Paul was able to say that to depart and be with Christ would be very much better. That's why Stephen said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. That when we approach death, there is comfort in the fact that if we are a faithful child of God, there is salvation. There is the promise of eternity. And when Jesus died, He opened up the way to God. But this morning, I want to leave you with an important question that only you can answer. Why do you want to go to heaven? I think sometimes we think of heaven and we think of all the people who have gone on before us. You think of a spouse who's left. We think of our grandparents. We think of a mom and a dad or a sibling that we've lost. And we think, I want to be reunited with them. I want to see them again. And that's wonderful. That's a wonderful hope that we can have of being reunited with someone that we've lost, that was near and dear to us, that was a faithful child of God. But I want to ask you, if all the people that you have on your list, maybe that you want to see again, where is Jesus on that list? Where is Jesus? Because that's really what makes eternity worth it. Is going to be with Jesus. That's what makes paradise, paradise. It's going to be with our Savior who died for us. And the word that 
Jesus offers to the thief. He offers a word of hope. A word of hope that we all need to hear. And if we are faithful in serving the Lord, through the cross there is forgiveness and there is hope of eternity and salvation with God. We must be willing to humble ourselves before God like that thief did. And recognize that Jesus is our King. Recognize that He is the one who can grant salvation and forgiveness. That He gave His very life in order to accomplish that. That we need to seek God's mercy and His forgiveness by calling on His name and asking Him to remember us. This morning, if you're not a Christian, we urge you to become a child of God today. Now, before it's too late. And if you have already made that commitment to follow Christ, if you've already been baptized to be added to the Lord's body, the church, you've had your sins washed away, but you've not been living faithfully for Him, we urge you to make some changes in your life, to acknowledge those things that you've done which are wrong and seek God's mercy, seek God's forgiveness again. And if you this morning are in a right relationship with God, then embrace the comfort and the words of assurance that Jesus offers to us. This morning, if you need to come to Jesus today, we'd encourage you right now as we stand and as we sing. Who will follow?